0: You've seen the big plays. Darren stepping to his right, looking, looking,
1: stopping, firing, end zone, touchdown!
0: You've heard what the playmakers and coaches have had to say.
1: Up for a three, got
0: it! But now it's time to go behind the mic with BYU Sports Broadcasters to get their distinctive take on the games. Oh, what an aggressive play! This is Behind the Mic with host Cleon Wall. We're here to bring you unique insights and stories from the BYU Sports Broadcasters who cover the Cougars. And from the Cougars themselves, we've got another edition of The Mental Game. Tyler Haas' guest this time is a fellow former BYU hoopster in Kristen Kozlowski. So, Kristen, you are an athlete. You're a mother of five. You're a broadcasting legend around here. Uh, this whole series is about mental health, mental strength. Where does where that fit in on your journey?
1: Well, I think it fits in everywhere that I do. Like you mentioned, I'm kind of doing so many things in my life right now, trying Mm -hmm. to balance all of that takes Mm -hmm. a lot of mental toughness. For sure, yeah. (laughs) Especially when you're pulled in a hundred different ways, you know, with the kids at home or whether it's a game I have coming up or maybe it's church callings. That was something ingrained in me, I think, early on. As you know, like as an athlete, that's something that if you don't develop that mental toughness, it's hard to play at an elite level. And so early on, as I went through challenges, I had four knee surgeries when I played. Hmm. Um, That was very taxing on me mentally and um, ended up having to redshirt. Um, going through that redshirt year I think really prepped me I think for the rest of my career at BYU and just being more mentally tough, studying the game off the court, right? Because you're kind of forced to. You're kind of forced right. to watch the game. That was big for me. I think that was one of the more challenging times in my life mm. when I had redshirt off of knee surgery and mm. ended up having to transfer from Boise State to BYU. But during that time, I think um, it really just kind of changed the mental side for me and, and helped awaken that, I would say more than before, where mm. you can rely more on your skill set versus the mental right. side and then trying to combine that. So that's kind of you know gone throughout my career and then also into broadcasting and into being a mom and um, for sure it's helped me be a mom because I'm all over the place sometimes and just trying to focus on one thing through the chaos gets mm-hmm. a little challenging at times. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: no, that's awesome. So. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the, that injury and that moment in your life. I'm sure there was a time period where you were struggling and trying to figure out how how to get through that. Uh, were there people that you leaned on, or things, or tools that you developed to, you know, lean more into the mental side of things?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I injured my knee when I was at Boise State. So I'd played my freshman yeah. year. It was towards the end of my freshman year at Boise State. Um, probably could have just done physical therapy, but back then, you know, it was a little pushed. more, let's go, go do a scope and let's see what's going on. Um, they did get in there and had to repair some things on the outside of my knee, and so... (laughs) Um, after that, I, I did go into my sophomore year as a redshirt at Boise State, and then ended up transferring to BYU when the opportunity presented itself, with Coach Jetkins getting the job. I thought I'll come back home. Um, mm-hmm. There were other challenges up there as well, not only with my knee and having a redshirt, but just the way of life and certain things around the team that I, you know, was just different than what I wanted, and kind of some of the standards I was mm-hmm. holding myself to. And so the move I made to BYU and redshirting and with my knee. Um, that was hard because you're kind of resetting, right? Like, yeah. uh, I had earned my position up at Boise State. I was starting towards the end of my freshman year. And then to come to BYU, and I'm literally on a, t- a new team, new coach. These are players that I played against, kind of some rival players in mm-hmm. high school that, that now they're looking at me going, Why <laughs> is the new teammate. girl coming? Why is she coming? You know? <laughs> yep. um, so that was very challenging. And then, you know, you're redshirting, so you don't quite feel a part of the team. Um, initially, especially coming right in mid-season, I transferred in, in December of oh, wow. 2001. Um, so you don't quite feel a part of the team and as you start to get to workouts and you start to go with them, I still can't do everything. I'm mm-hmm. still rehabbing this knee injury, hmm. um, which weighs on you heavily because the, mind, sure. the mindset, right, is is a big thing and the self-talk and thinking through, can I get back? Can I get back to where I was? And then eventually as you start to get to where you're playing or even um, are able to be physical on that knee, the back of your mind, you're thinking, am I gonna hurt this knee again? Right. You know, it's and it, it wasn't there. an ACL type knee injury, but it was severe enough to where it, it messed a little bit with my mind. So all of that was a huge challenge, but I've, I've had a great system, support system around me, especially my parents. I have great siblings that I really look up to. I had an older brother that played. He was nice enough to let me tag along. Um, in terms of basketball, he played at the U, but I, I really learned a lot through him. And so I weighed heavily relied heavily on those people in my life um, going through that. and When I came to BYU, I met my husband soon after, yeah. and I was married going into my sophomore year. So he has always wow. been kind of at the forefront of just helping me get through you know, challenges, whether it's after that initial knee surgery, I had to have a couple more just mm-hmm. to stay playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the challenges continued. Um, but at that initial, I think surgery and transferring is what really set me up to be more mentally tough for the next surgery, right? Mm-hmm. For the next challenge that came. And to build upon that,
0: yeah, relying, knowing that you could get through it because yes. you had been there before. I think support system is so important too. I think so many times, especially when you're dealing with something challenging or difficult in your life, you, we tend to close up, right? And I, I think it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable and open and rely on, you know, the support system around you. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, how did you keep? How did you keep faith that? And, and confidence that you could get back to playing at a, at, at a high level. Uh, was that something that you, you just had in, internally or were, were, was your support system saying, hey, you got this, you can, you can get back to a high level?
1: I, I think it was a little bit of both, right? I, I mean, I think you've got that support system that's always cheering you on and pushing you to, to get better and, and giving you the positive talk versus maybe I'm doing more of the negative self-talk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And so that was important uh, to have that support. But then also I I was a very confident person through high school, you know, maybe not early on. I was always so tall and just kind of felt a little awkward. But Mm -hmm. the minute I got on that basketball court, that's where my confidence really grew Mm -hmm. because I knew I could use this to make a make a name for myself, to go play college, get my college paid for. Eventually, mm-hmm. you know, that would lead to more doors opening. Um, so I was always very confident, and I think with the knee injury, even though it it shook that just a little bit, um, I knew that I could go back and get there and compete. And, and mm-hmm. at BYU, there was so many great people surrounding me, from the coaching staff to you know your recovery, and and from the trainers that were helping you with that and get back to that and and just the culture that was created at BYU at the time when I played, we were off that Sweet 16, right? That mm-hmm. that was the year in 2002. Um, and so there was just a lot of high moments right there to enjoy. And just really, I think internally, I wanted to get to that point. I wanted to help the team. I wanted to be able to play on a team where we could get back to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of driving me, I think, behind everything.
0: Yeah, that's great. Fast forward a couple of years and... You're probably a big transition point in your life, trying to figure out what's next after basketball. That, that's that been a challenge for me, opening up a new chapter. You talk about a door sure. closing, another opening. Did did you always know you were going to get into broadcasting, or how how did that no. <laughs> come about?
1: Um, so I actually majored in psychology here at BYU. Awesome. Which a lot of people are like, oh, didn't you do broadcast journalism or mm-hmm. communications? But no, I never, ever crossed my mind that I would do broadcasting, and so right out of college, I wanted to coach, and that was where my mindset was: is I'm going to coach. And I applied at Dixie State and Westminster, and I applied at a couple of positions, mm. and some that were looking really promising at the time, and then those doors kind of shut. Mm. Um, and soon after, what, one job had closed, that door shut where I thought I was going to get it. I got a call from a producer at, at BYU TV at the time, and. Mm. Back when I played as a senior, Coach Judkins had me do a lot of the interviews. He knew, I think he knew I wasn't going to put my foot in my mouth for some of those mm-hmm. media interviews. And you know, whether it was a, a win or loss, I tended to do a lot of those. So I mm-hmm. developed a good relationship with the producer at the time and with the camera crew and um, yeah, cool. n- knew them all on a first-name basis. And so when a position opened up the next year after I'd graduated, uh, they gave me a call and said, hey, we want you to try this. Come try this you know, mm-hmm. and see. And my first thought was like, there's no way, like this is, this is nothing I ever envisioned I could even do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's that negative self-talk, like, you know, but it happens to all of us. Right. Yeah. But I was grateful to have enough confidence and enough, um, just support to say, no, go try this. You can Mm -hmm. do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that first year called a few games, I think probably that you know, initial deer in the headlights look that most broadcasters experience, I've been right? There, yes. uh-huh. <laughs> you have to go through that to know what I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. um, so it was, it was something that I just fell in love with so quickly that I didn't anticipate. This is what you're going to do. And, and that door swung wide open when the coaching doors closed for me. And mm-hmm. um, being in the broadcast industry, you know, like, there's a high level of stress. Mm-hmm. There's a high level of having to just kind of go with it, go with the flow, go with, you know, things that are happening, even though it's not always perfect. Um, playing and going through what I've gone through in terms of my knee surgery and all that, that prepped me for broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't quite seem like it, but when I redshirted, I sat out, I was a student of the game. I studied yeah. the game in a different light, right? Well, that now translates into what I do as a broadcaster and that really helped me just to kind of analyze the game, break mm-hmm. down the game, break down film, mm-hmm. study certain parts about the game that I knew I'd have to talk about mm-hmm. on air. So I think that was a really cool transition. When I didn't see it at the time, the hardship that I went through with my knee and having to sit out, it, it has helped me for sure in my mm-hmm. job.
0: Yeah, I think relying on past experience, you don't always know why you're going through something, yeah. but I think there's a lot of value in that story. When I when I listen to you on a broadcast, the word that comes to mind is prepared. You're very prepared <laughs> yes. and studying like studying players, studying game plans, like schemes, and I feel like I learn from, you know, what you, what you say on on the broadcast, but where does that preparation come from?
1: Oh, that's very kind of you to say that, but I I am an over-preparer, you know, mm-hmm. as I go in, I like to have All my notes, I like to have everything just kind of laid out and get it all in my mind, even though it's on paper. That's how I prepare for the game. Um, One thing that I really feel like we live by, you know, in our home and that I try to do as a person individually is just be in the presence, right? Mm -hmm. So in that moment, I'm not going to be able to be thinking about where my kids are at or be thinking about all of these things, right, that are going on, Mm -hmm. scheduling, whatever it is. Um, And that helps with being prepared for me. Like if I'm prepared, I can go into a game and just go with the flow and not feel like I have to look up a note here or look up, you know, a stat here that it's just already in my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I feel like as as I'm preparing and I'm getting ready for a game, by the time I'm calling the game, I have everything in my mind that I need. You know, you Mm -hmm. may not have everything you can quickly glance at a stat or whatever, but for the most part, I'm so prepared that I come in with confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I come into a game feeling confident, feeling like I know both teams really well, and then it can just flow. Because as a broadcaster, you can't just give all this information up front. You cannot just drown your audience in it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of have to pick your moments. You have to pick and choose when you can relay that information. Sometimes you don't Get all the information out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, it, it just helps to be prepared, and it helps to be prepared not only in broadcasting but in my life. Like every week, I've got to have a set schedule because my kids are mm-hmm. going every which way, you know, mm-hmm. with their schedules, with carpool and things, and. So being prepared, I think, is a, a big tool that I use in my life daily. Mm.
0: I think that's so powerful. I, I felt that in my life. When I, when I have a plan and I can be prepared with that plan, that usually leads to more confidence in whatever I'm doing. You know, and that's always a question that comes up. How, how can you be more confident in what you're doing? So I think that's really valuable. Let's talk about your, your role as a parent and a mother. You have very, very active kids, and, and they're growing up. As athletes and involved in lots of different activities, what what advice would you have for for parents out there that are trying to raise mentally tough kids?
1: <laughs> uh, boy, um, for sure. I think living in the in the present moment, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that's one that we strive to with our children, and not getting too focused on, you know, what what happened last game, other than taking the growth of it and taking what you can learn from it, and then moving mm-hmm. on. But if you dwell on it too much or you dwell on the things that maybe you're frustrated that you didn't do yesterday, or maybe, you know, Mm. I just think that's a big thing for me as a parent is be focused on the now and there and what's going on with my kids. Mm. And then also, I just think we really try to focus on growth versus accolades and accomplishment. And as Mm. a parent, sometimes that can get hard to do because we want to win just as much as my kids want to win, right? Like Mm -hmm. we all want to win the game, but I think it's very important. And we tried to instill this early on with our children is, even if you win or even if you lose, there is still growth that you can pull from the game. Yeah. And especially in a loss, right? Especially with failure. I've got different personalities with my kids. One kid in particular, my 11 year old, he has failed over and over and over. He has mm. been blocked and pushed and shoved by older brothers, right? And so right. he's not afraid of failure. He's mm. not afraid to go out and try a move and travel and try another move. And maybe turn it over. But then the Mm -hmm. next time he nails it. Mm -hmm. And it's so rewarding to watch that because you can see the growth right Mm -hmm. before your eyes. Um, And so that is something we're constantly talking about with the children. You know, I think mental toughness, mental awareness has become more apparent, more at the forefront for Mm -hmm. people. But I still think it's lacking in youth sports. And Mm -hmm. that's something I've recognized. You know, you've coached, I know you're helping coach in your Mm -hmm. dad's club. I'm helping coach my 11-year-old right now, and just trying to help those 11-year-olds think through. Well, why did I do this? Mm-hmm. You know, it. Why? Why was I in the wrong position here? What? What was my mindset? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. versus just getting after them and you know being a critic of what they're doing, mm-hmm. but really trying to teach them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we focus on with our children, and I think that's very important as a parent. Try to teach them, versus always being so focused on winning, mm-hmm. because there's more growth in that.
0: Right, for sure. Focus more on yeah the process of things instead of and and growing and getting better and improving, and instead of yeah wins, losses, or how many points you scored. Right, yeah. I, That was something my dad did for me growing up. It was all about it was all about effort for him. Yes. It's Like if you can give your best effort, there's going to be some lessons in there, right? Good, good or bad. Any 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 other advice or or things that come to mind when? Parenting your kids or coaching—you said you've coached yeah. your kids a little bit as well.
1: Um, I think it's important to not be afraid to ask for help. You mm. know, and, and sometimes there can be that stigma on—you know—maybe what my kid's going through isn't quite normal, but we can mm. solve this, right? Yeah. Um, I've had the benefit of having my my husband's uncle is a licensed therapist. He does a lot with like um, parent-teen um, mm. interactions and communications and things like that. So. We've, le- we've really leaned heavily on him, especially with our teenagers, mm. just trying to communicate and be effective in that. So as parents, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay yeah. to, to, to talk to other parents, say, what's working for you? What's not working for you? Mm. And don't be afraid to try those things. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable with your kids and say, hey, why don't we go talk to somebody and just see if they can help you think through this. You're so frustrated with how you're performing, mm-hmm. but I feel like you're performing well. Let's get on a medium ground and maybe they can talk us through that, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, My husband's uncle, David, I mean, he's been phenomenal in in working with teen and parent dynamics. And he's been so helpful for us to just communicate with our boys. Um, Some of the things that he really talks about is letting them manage their own career, their own Mm -hmm. situation, right? Mm -hmm. It's more of a partnership Mm -hmm. versus you're always dictating to them what you think they should be doing, what you Mm -hmm. think how they should be running their life, Mm -hmm. especially with my oldest son who's been heavily recruited it's been very valuable to be able to allow him to kind of just take over and manage his own recruitment mm-hmm. and manage his own playing and, and where he wants to put in the time mm-hmm. versus trying to pull him along and say, hey, let's go get shots, let's go do this. Yeah. But forming that partnership has been so valuable just to see the growth in him and the maturity. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like they want it more. They're asking mm-hmm. more for help. They're mm-hmm. asking more for advice. They're asking more to go get shots up versus, mm-hmm. As a parent, you're always telling them, hey, you need more shots. You missed Mm -hmm. five shots in that game. Let's go Mm -hmm. get more shots up, right? But allowing them to now have control and kind of take that leadership on their own.
0: Yeah, and empowering them to take ownership, right? When we come back, Kristen dives into self-talk and visualization. Welcome back to Behind the Mic. Let's continue our mental game conversation between Tyler Hawes and Kristen Kozlowski. So Kristen, you said you majored in psychology. How has that played a role in overcoming some of the injuries and developing a good mindset?
1: I really like to study the minds. That's kind of why I picked that major as I was going back and forth. And so I love to study mm-hmm. the mind even when it doesn't pertain to sports, but particularly when it pertains to sports, I think it's valuable just to study how we interact with our own self, right, mm-hmm. our own self-talk, coming off an injury, coming off a game where you didn't perform as well, coming off a game where you did perform well. Mm-hmm. It's so valuable to see how an individual, you know, kind of reacts to what happens or their situation or their environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based off my knee surgeries and, and having that kind of, as I was studying it through school, it was very helpful to know self-talk makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, just visualization was a big thing for me as well as I was mm-hmm. going through college um, not only through the knee surgery, but just to be able, when you're on the court going into a game, if you get anxious, you get nervous, which I sometimes experienced Mm -hmm. that visualization was so crucial. And that was something that was really cool to be learning about in class (laughs) and how that benefits. Yeah. And then translating it. I've got a game coming up. Let me use this. Let me Mm -hmm. try this. Right. And back when I played, I know you probably worked with a a sports psychologist as well. Mm -hmm. And when I played we had one that we did a little bit and started to incorporate things with and they were big on self-talk and visualization and yeah. and so those are things that I even still use as I'm calling games or with my children yeah. I talk to them all the time about self-talk mm-hmm. you know t- how are you talking to yourself when you miss a, pre- a free throw What are you saying to yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, because if you're just beating yourself up because you missed that free throw, that's not going to benefit you. And it's not helping the team because you're probably going to miss the next one. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Um, I had listened to a podcast recently and it talked about how the human mind thinks about 10,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Hmm. So if you think about that's a lot of different (sighs) thoughts that are popping into our mind. Right. Sadly, 80 percent of those are negative thoughts. Hmm. And so if we can flip that script and if we can change, maybe even partially, you Hmm. know, that percentage, that makes a huge difference. Um, And that was fascinating to me to go through college and learn about that. I actually thought about getting a master's as well and continuing to go on, Hmm. um, but then got right into broadcasting. So I I really enjoyed learning um, psychology throughout um, college, and then just kind of applying some of the things I was learning in class mm-hmm. to what I was doing on the court,
0: yeah, so cool that that's that's where I c- kind of fell in love with mindset and and mental performance training was was in college once I got there, I, and I started learning about these things. It was like, oh. Okay, that's what's going on in my mind. Like, (laughs) awareness is so important. You have to be aware first off of all those thoughts going through, and then, yeah, how do we how do we improve it? What could we replace it with? And planning those things out, I think that's super powerful. It's
1: helpful to have someone that specializes in that as well, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm I was learning from professors at the time, but also, you know, as a team, as you're working with a professional who's a sports psychologist, it really helps you to just. Oh, oh, that does make sense, right? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to figure it out on your own, it's hard to do, it's hard, hard to decipher. Right. Why am I you know, doing this on the court? Or why am I doing this? you mm-hmm. know? And, and to really just dive into, well, if you change the script or you change how you think, or if you're able to have that short-term memory and move on to the next play, then you're gonna respond better physically, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. when I played, I was never the strongest, the fastest, the quick, You know, I was never the one, but I had to be smart. And that was something that I, I really put a lot of time in was studying the game having a high IQ. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to broadcast games where I see a high IQ player because mm-hmm. you can pick them yeah, you, you can, can recognize pick them out them, pretty yeah. quickly, right? You mm-hmm. you can tell that they think the game and they're thinking one or two plays ahead. Mm-hmm. And they're in the right position and they and they're taking away their their opposing players tendencies or you know mm-hmm. pers- knowing personnel, knowing the game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and when a player can put their elite skill set and their high IQ together, that's when you see greatness, right? And you see right. those players that are that are making it to the NBA, making it to the WNBA, making it professional. Mm-hmm. It's really fun to watch. Mm-hmm.
0: So Kristen, you talked about staying present, staying in the moment. Is there is there anything you do to, to help you stay present and, and locked in?
1: Uh, it's hard to do mm-hmm. at times, for sure, because I'm pulled in so many different directions. Um, uh, it's very important to me, especially with my children, to be in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. When, I, when I've got so many hats I've got to wear mm-hmm. throughout my life as a broadcaster, as a mom, in church, um, whatever it be with my family, things like that. In that moment I just try to keep everything out of my mind and just focus on you know let's compartmentalize say compartmentalize I'm, I'm, yeah compartmentalize what you're doing. things especially with work if I'm working on a game preparation 2 to 3 weeks before and every single day I'm just you know prepping on something that's too much like so mm-hmm. tr- I try to set a time aside time compartmentalize this is my time where I'm going to work at work typically mm-hmm. it's when the kids are at school mm-hmm. which makes a lot more sense for me because they're at school and and when they do come home I can just be focused on them right. but I do love to be engaged with my kids and drive them places so when mm-hmm. we're going to games, I'm able just to fully be focused on them and mm-hmm. to be able to take that moment where I stay in the moment and listen to them and maybe how their day was or mm-hmm. you know, what's going on with them. Maybe they're nervous about the game that we're driving right. to and talk them through some things, but it's been really important to do that so that I can really be engaged with my kids or be engaged in a broadcast. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm at a game calling a game and I'm thinking about what, what happened the night before at my son's game. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be a great podcast, right? You've right. gotta be in that moment. You gotta be focused on that. And, and so that's something I've tried really hard to do. Mm.
0: And so you, you feel like planning, planning your day out, setting specific time aside when you can put all your focus into something that's been that's been helpful for you.
1: Very beneficial, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you have a, a crazy schedule like I do, and, and just trying to do so much in mm-hmm. one day, mm-hmm. if I can't compartmentalize that, then it, then it gets away from you, right? Mm-hmm. And if I put it off till the very end that's not going to work either and so just even even at the beginning of the week if i'm you know game plan okay this is the games we have this week for what child where we're going, this is the broadcast that mom has this week, Mm -hmm. mom needs this time on this day to to sit down and work. I think Mm -hmm. it works for the family as a whole as well, not just individually, but the kids are very aware of my schedule, I'm aware of their schedule, Mm -hmm. let's plan that out and make sure we know where everybody's going, everybody has a ride or what they're doing. Um, There's security in that, right, Mm -hmm. and and a calmness so that it's not so much chaos. Mm -hmm. That's the preparedness that I, you know, I Mm -hmm. also am prepared in my schedule and then also, just in setting aside being able to be engaged when I have to at, at preparing for games or, you know, being with my children. Yeah, it's great.
0: So Kristen, you talked about growth versus accolades. Can you can you talk a little bit more about what that means to you and your family and, and in your life?
1: Yeah, so this is actually something that my husband has done a really good job that is always um When we talk to my children, whether it's off a loss or a win, to focus more on the growth. And so Mm -hmm. we've worked as a unit to really be aware of, you know, sometimes they'll have a game where we lose by 20. But it feels like a win because they they did everything they could mm-hmm. in their power. They were prepared. They performed at a high level. Mm-hmm. It feels like a win. And we're trying to help them recognize that. Mm. Um, not that I don't want to win. I think every parent wants to win and, and to push your child. And yeah. there's a, a lot of competitiveness in me, um, sometimes more <laughs> than my children at times. But um, <laughs> I I really think it's important to focus on the growth versus the accolades because if you get too wrapped up in the accolades, too wrapped up in the accomplishment or the wins or the losses, Hmm. you're gonna miss the growth. And, And to not be afraid of failure. I've tried to teach my kids that failure is okay, you know, Mm -hmm. and that part of the process. Yeah, it comes with mental toughness. If if you can really challenge the mind and continue to work on their mental toughness game, they're not going to be afraid of failure because they know with failure there will be growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, They'll be willing to take risks. They'll be willing to be able to push themselves, knowing that it's okay if I fail because I'm going to get better based off that failure. And Mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant was one that I've I've listened to a lot of things on him and just things where he talked about. Being focused on the growth versus being focused on you know too much of the wins and losses. You mm-hmm. know he would he would overanalyze what he's going to do against a certain opponent because that meant more to the, to him than the accolades, right? And and <laughs> so he was so focused on things like that. And it's it's really interesting to study players like that because they are so tuned in to what they have to do mentally um, and focusing on that progress and growth versus the accolades. But then the accolades come. Mm-hmm. You know if you're focused on the growth, it all builds upon each other, and eventually those come. Mm-hmm. And you do win, and you do get to an elite level if you can really focus on the takeaways from failing or the takeaways from you know what you could do better.
0: Mm-hmm. Really well put. Kristen, what uh, what role has faith played in, in this journey dealing with uh, everything you've gone through?
1: Faith plays a big role. Um, if I even go back to when I played at Boise State, that was a big driving force why I ended up coming to BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, and just having the faith to be able to Okay, I'm going to leave a program where I've already established myself, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to go to a new place. I'm going to have enough faith that I can do this, that mm-hmm. I have the support system around me that says, "Hey, you're good enough to do this. You know, this is something that we will be backing you the entire way." But, but, but having the belief that I could get over those knee surgeries, especially that were so challenging throughout my career, mm-hmm. just knowing that I would, I would need the strength to come back. But, it, but it was mental strength, right? If I didn't believe that in myself, if I wasn't confident in myself it would have been a much bumpier road to be able to come back and rehab off of those knees. And I know several athletes that have been hurt, several athletes that have gone through ACL surgeries, and if you don't believe that you can come back off of that, that's the first step, right? And if Mm -hmm. you don't believe that, you're gonna have a hard road because it's just gonna be longer, it's gonna be more of that negative self-talk, more of just those days where it's just grueling trying to get through the painful rehab. Mm -hmm. It becomes longer and it becomes more taxing on you, right? And more depressing. And so. Faith played a huge role in getting through that, and, and coming to BYU. And soon after, I met my husband, and I just think mm-hmm. everything kind of lined up for me because I believed in the process and believed, you know, that I could get to, to where I wanted to be and reach my goals.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Do you feel like your? Do you feel like God was in the the details of, of all of those things? And how how did your relationship with God evolve? And and in those difficult moments,
1: absolutely. Um, I would say for sure because you know I, I, came. It was mid-December, and I met my husband three weeks later yeah. when I came to BYU. And, I, and I really crazy. feel like, looking back, I I got hurt for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. you never want to think you get hurt for you know, a bigger picture. But I, I really do think that I went through that whole process of hurting my knee at the end of my freshman year at Boise State, mm-hmm. evolving into finally I transferred midway through, and then meeting my husband three weeks later. Um, so we met and got married six months later. And, wow. you know, we've been married 20 plus years now. Mm-hmm. And so I just think a lot of that played into the hands of having faith and belief that God was helping me out and with me along the way. And, yeah, and of course, no, it's not all going to be controlled, mm-hmm. you know, by God and what I'm doing. And I'm making my own choices along the way. But, I do feel like certain things happen for a reason, um, that I was brought to BYU for a reason. I was recruited mm-hmm. by BYU at a high school, <laughs> and this was a school I just chose not to go to, mm-hmm. which is kind of bizarre that it came full circle and I did come back to BYU. And, and the mm-hmm. same goes for broadcasting. All those you know, moments where I interviewed for a coaching job, I was frustrated and continued to think, well, why is this not working out for yeah. me to be a coach? I thought for so long I'm gonna coach, right, mm-hmm. at, at the college level. And then the door swings wide open for broadcasting. And I do believe that that was meant to be and that there was a reason and God had a hand in that. Mm -hmm, For sure.
0: Thanks to Tyler and Kristen for this episode of The Mental Game. Download and subscribe to Behind the Mic wherever you find podcasts. Or listen to all episodes on the BYU Radio app. Behind the Mic is a production of BYU Radio.